Good afternoon. Welcome to Intelligent Talk with Ralph McElvenny. Join us every Thursday at 5 p.m. on the City World Radio Network as we discuss topics in politics, art, and current events. Okay, uh, welcome to Intelligent Talk. The website is intelligenttalk.com. We're very pleased to have Mr. Uh, Hervé Jobert with us. Um, Mr. Jobert is the author of a book, Escape from Dubai. He's a former French spy. He had commercial dealings in Dubai, and he had to leave. And he also assisted in the escape of Princess Latifa, who's the daughter of the leader of um, Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed. Um, Mr. Jabay, are you there? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So, um, yes, I, I read your book, um, Escape from Dubai. It was very interesting. Could you please give your website in case people want to contact you or buy the book? I'm sorry? Could you give your website in case people want to buy the book or contact you? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, the book is available on, on, on Amazon uh, or on my website, uh, which links to the to Amazon anyway, uh, escapefromdubai.com. Escapefromdubai.com. Okay. Um, great. And could you just tell me um, your, your background? You were in the French intelligence service, the DGSE, until 1993. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was in the counter-espionage of the DGSE. Could you tell me how many years you served in the French intelligence? Ten years. And could you could you give me some examples of what you did without divulging any confidentialities or where you were located? Fifty uh, percent uh, uh, of my time was uh, dedicated to uh, the, the fight in the former communist uh, countries. Uh, Russia, uh, Poland, uh, Czechoslovakia, uh, RDR, uh, the Republic Democratic of uh, Allemagne before. And uh, the, the other 50% was in uh, counter-terrorism in the Middle East. Interesting. The only so thing- I, I, tra- I, I traveled a lot in, uh, in the Middle Eastern uh, countries to conduct uh, counter-terrorism operations. And you also worked in the former uh, Soviet Union? I'm sorry? You also worked in Russia, too? In uh, Russia? Yeah, in Russia, yes, yeah. Okay, um, great. So I just want to take you now uh, to... Uh, so in, uh, in, the Soviet, in the former communist countries, I worked in uh, uh, counter-espionage uh, uh, matter. Counter-espionage. Did you see the French movie Amen about the, the French spy who told Mitterrand... Information, then he passed it on yeah, to Reagan. Yeah. That was a that's all I all I know about the um, French operation in Russia. But I'm sure it was interesting. Um, so, in, in 2004, now you're working in uh, Florida, and the head of Dubai World, Sultan Ahmed bin Suleiman, he contacts you. Yeah, so I was in Florida. I was building uh, recreational submarines, uh, and they came over to visit uh, my factory, a small factory. I was building like three submarines per year, and they were interested, and they offered me a partnership and to move the production to Dubai. And how did you know how to build these submarines, Mr. Jabba? How did you have that knowledge? Was that through your work? Or? Well, I'm, an, uh, I'm a naval engineer, and actually I built my first submarine when I was 14. Really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was in a, you know, the the geek school 
studying mathematics and physics and uh, already I had uh, the knowledge and I, I built my first submarine, remote control submarine, out of junk and wood when I was uh, 14. So they want they wanted you to build recreational submarines that they could use for tourists to go around the waters of Dubai. Is that is that basically what they wanted? Yes. So they and they had a vast program. They wanted to recreate uh, uh, artificial reefs, and uh, they wanted to create uh, a whole submarine world. And uh, the recreational submarine would be part of it. Right, kind of like how they do those artificial islands at Palm World and Jumeirah Hotel. Yes. Okay, so, yeah. so what year do you go to Dubai? You go there in 2004? Uh, January 2005. And how many years were you in Dubai, Dubai for before you left? But I, I escaped in 2008, so I would say three years. Uh, but uh, out of the three years, only... Two years where I was effectively running the company. Okay. The third year, I was preparing my escape, and I got in trouble with the justice system in Dubai. Right. What I think your book is so interesting is it brings out things that you don't really necessarily think. When you think of Dubai, you think of modern buildings. You think of indoor ski ski resorts. You think of the largest building in the world. But really, it's 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 governed by Sharia law, which is kind of a ancient Islamic law as interpreted. And it's you, you write about the corruption. You write about um, it's, it's okay, for example, to hit your wife if you're a husband. I mean, could you just discuss some of your experience in Dubai and the corruption that you saw there? People have a, a misconception, a, a, a very big misconception, because Dubai is, is just like Saudi Arabia. It is governed by Sharia law. It doesn't look like it because there are fancy hotels and they have the luxury and the nice cars. But it is it is under Sharia law. Right. Uh, I, I knew it, but to me, I saw an opportunity to build my submarine, so I moved there. But I, I knew I, I knew where I was going. Right, and you basically the corruption in Dubai made it impossible for you to do business there, right? I mean, the the the, the, the activities that you were forced to witness and try to do your activity is that right? Yeah, exactly. I, I saw the corruption firsthand. Uh, because even in my company, they, they, they would bring me, uh, you know, I was a CEO. I was a CEO, but I did not have access to bank account of, or money. Uh, so I was, a, you know, a manager. And I saw them bringing me bills to put on the books of, of uh, the company, but they were, not, they were not bills to the company. There was something else outside. And uh, so they, they, they were like, trying to cook the books between the different companies there. And there, of course, when it did not work, it never works. Then they started pointing figures at uh, managers such as me. So basically they wanted to add, they wanted to pad expenses onto your company and just steal the money. And then when you objected, they pointed the finger at you. Is that basically right? It's, uh, yeah, I, I actually objected it, yes, because they wanted to pad the expenses to the company that did not belong to the company. And uh, so, yeah, I got in trouble, not just because of that, but uh, I, I objected. And, uh, it did not matter that I objected it because I did not have the final decision anyway. So they, they replaced me with somebody who would. 
Right. And then when and then what, what were the other things that you got in trouble for? Could you explain the, the, besides that, uh, Mr. Jobert, what the other problems you had? Uh, the, the what? The, the other problems you had in Dubai besides the corruption um, that, that you were that they brought charges against you for? I saw with other expatriates, uh, uh, let me give you an example, for, because I, I, I've seen it many times. Let's say they bring in a manager to develop a project. So it's new, it doesn't exist. It, 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 and, and so they have a project and it's based on the feasibility study. Okay. So they put a manager and then they tell they ask the manager to develop the company. Now the feasibility study says that in three years, the company should make $20 million. And of course, what happens after two years is they don't make $20 million because they hire incompetence and they, 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 they put the money somewhere else. So in the end, there is no project. So then they accuse the manager of stealing the $20 million. But the, the manager never stole anything. It's, it's just that they made a prediction. They, they predicted that they would make $20 million. So they put the blame on the manager so because they did not make the $20 million, then they accused the manager of stealing the, the $20 million. But that poor guy, he, he did not steal anything. And the same scheme is repeated over, over and over again. And uh, there, there are some foreigners in Dubai who are in jail for, the very, for that very reason. They are totally innocent. They are being blamed for something that they did not do, and they are in jail for life. Okay, so it comes to a time when you now have to have to flee Dubai because you're brought up on these charges, and you, you write in the book basically. Could you tell us what, what you dressed as and how you got to that boat? Just could you describe your escape, please? Well, when I was uh, I, I was arrested three times, and they, they put me under house arrest. So uh, uh, I knew uh, early on that there was no way I could defend myself. The justice system there is, is, is made in a, in a way that you are guilty until proven guilty. You cannot defend yourself. Okay. Even the lawyers are not on your side. The, the lawyers, they, 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 just, they are just trying to help you admit your crime, but they don't defend you. So I knew that I, I could not uh, get a fair trial, uh, that I could not be represented, I could not defend myself so I prepared my escape I, I knew I had to escape it's very complicated it was very complicated because uh, Dubai is a small country uh, it's bordered by uh, a physical barrier and, and fence and uh, you know a, a cap would not go through it and then even when you leave Dubai look around you know you have Saudi Arabia you have Qatar you have uh, Pakistan on the other side and, you know it's a very unfriendly it's a very hostile area. So the, the escape was complicated because I had to go all the way to India. India at the time was the friendlier country that I could reach. Right. So I had to buy a, I had to buy a sailboat. I had to disguise, to disguise myself because I was under arrest. So when I was going out, I had to disguise myself. At first, I disguised, you know, I, I, I grew a beard. I had a suntan and with sunglasses and the Arabic men, uh, the Arabic man dress, I, I could look like an Arab, but then they would talk to me in Arabic and of course I could not 
because I knew I would, I would be in trouble. So that's how I decided the next day to dress as a woman. And when I wore the, you know, the black uh, burqa, the, the abaya, uh, then I discovered that it's a perfect tool to be invisible. Right. I experienced this myself. When you dress like a woman in black, and it doesn't matter if you are pretty or not, because, you know, I had to somehow mask the contour of my masculine shape. So I put myself some, some you know, rubbing around me to, so I would look like a, like a chubby woman. But it doesn't matter whether you are chubby or skinny, pretty or not. When you wear that black veil, you are invisible. You are a shadow. Nobody, nobody talked to me. Nobody even looked at me. It, it's really an invisibility. So when women wear that, they are just the shadow of their lives. I experienced it firsthand. And you used that disguise to get to the boat, right? So I, I used that to to move around, uh, gather information, uh, documents, and, and, and explore the area because I, I had to find a way. I had to find the perfect spot, the best spot to actually escape because you know, they have patrol boats all over the place. It's a police state. It's, it's, it's surveillance everywhere, cameras, and so I had to explore the area to find out where were the, the police boat, where were the cameras, where were the guards, and uh, it, it took me it took me some time. Right, but you, you eventually you got to a sailboat and you sailed that sailboat to India. Is that that's how you did it, right? Uh, I uh, I escaped in a dinghy. Uh, and then I went uh, into the international waters, and there I waited a long time, like uh, six hours, I was floating around, waiting for a friend who would bring me my sailboat. I could not do it myself, because okay. in, in, the, in Dubai, it's not like Europe or, the, or America. You cannot jump on a boat and go like that. You, you have to show sponsorship, uh, you know permits and documents, you know, it's almost impossible to do boating there. So I had a friend who bought a sailboat on my behalf. Then I escaped in international waters and then I was waiting for him. And then when I, when I saw him, we met, I jumped on the boat and then I sailed to India. Okay. I, I, I want to also now segue into um, Princess Latifah because obviously this is a very explosive story. It made a lot of news um, a few weeks ago. It was on the front page of the New York Times, for example. But Princess Latifah was the daughter of Sheikh Mohammed, who's the leader of Dubai. You, you've obviously described some of the machinations of Dubai and how it works and how it can be stifling. And she wanted to leave Dubai. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of the former king of Saudi Arabia. He had four daughters who also, King Abdullah, had four daughters, and they were essentially as I understand it, prisoners to this day, they also wanted to leave Saudi Arabia and they weren't allowed to leave. But anyway, so Princess Latifah wanted to leave um, um, Dubai. She was able to make her way out to a sailboat that you had. And then, um, well, before I get ahead of myself, did you know Princess Latifah during your time in Dubai? Had you had, you had any contact with her? Yeah, she first contacted me in 2011. Okay. So so we had uh, a long-distance uh, relationship for, for seven years. It's a long time. So I, I knew her pretty well. We talked like uh, once a week. And uh, she explained to me early on that uh, she wanted to escape. The, 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 the problem I had at the time 
is that uh, honestly, at the beginning, uh, I thought that uh, it was a trap. Okay. Because uh, you know, uh, she told me from the start that uh, she was uh, almost from the start that she was the daughter of Sheikh Mohammed. So I found it, uh, you know, uh, very uh, incredible that he's uh, he's uh, in, I knew Sheikh Mohammed. You did. So I, 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 I found it incredible that the, the, the man who put me in trouble, uh, who, ruined my, who ruined my life in Dubai, uh, would have his daughter looking for me to escape. So uh, I had to send a team there uh, to verify that uh, what she said was true. Uh, I organized uh, meetings, so I checked her out and... Uh, with time, I discovered that she was honest uh, and she was absolutely motivated to to escape. Uh, I, I am about to publish an, a book uh, called uh, Princess Latifa and the Spy, where I explain everything. Because in, in, the, in the media, the media did not tell the whole story, of course, because they don't know. But we had two previous attempts with with Latifa. It was when she escaped, when she joined the boat the, the, the last time. We had two attempts before. So that's how I can tell you how much she, she was dedicated to to escape, because it was not the first time. Okay, so just so I just so I understand it, you had contact with with Princess Latifa, the daughter of Sheikh Mohammed, the ruler of Dubai, on the telephone. You then had to assess that she was real, that she really wanted to leave, which I assume because she felt stifled and no freedom, etc. Uh, you then sent a team there to Dubai to assess that, and then upon your making the conclusion that she was um, legitimate and wanted to leave, you then helped facilitate this escape. Is, is that a fair summary? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, and she had a she had a so you didn't actually meet with her in person before she got on your boat. Is that right? You didn't actually see her in person. You just talked to her on the telephone at first. Yeah, I, I, I never saw... I, I saw her in person the, the day she I picked her up uh, in the water. Okay, yeah, so you have... You... That was the first time. Before, I saw her only on Skype or on the phone, you know, but not not in person. So just, just so I could just go into the story. So you have your sailboat. She makes it out to the sailboat. She has a friend, right, a, a blonde-haired friend, I forget... I forget her name. It's two of them, right? They come to your boat. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and then you you, you go the boat. You're now um, you, you're off. You're heading towards um, towards India. You're going towards Mumbai, if I recall. Um, and you yeah. and I, I assume her mood is happy, and she's feeling relieved to be on the boat, and uh, and she's just probably pretty ecstatic to be free. And I believe she sends a text out. Um, you go from the Persian Gulf to the Arabian Sea on the way to Mumbai. She sent a text out saying, basically to her friend, saying, I'm free. And then not too long after that, you're surrounded by Indian security on naval, naval boats. And you're basically taken prisoner um, not too far from Mumbai. Is that essentially a good summary? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, when, when uh, she did send a text to her family... Um, uh, she told them that uh, she left, uh, that was her decision, and that she, uh, everything was okay, and that she would contact them later. Okay. Uh, 
uh, her, her family responded, her sister responded. Uh, I, uh, I saw the messages myself uh, that, uh, no, no, please come back. Uh, we're going to take care of you. Uh, the people who are with you, they are just trying to take advantage of you. Okay. And uh, she mentioned uh, Qatar. For some reason, I, I don't know what, because when, when I was in detention, they asked me the same question. They thought that it was a plot from Qatar. Oh, right, because they're rivals. Because Qatar, Qatar is Shiite, is that right? And Dubai yes, is yes. Sunni, so there, there, was, there was a rivalry, okay. Yeah, but, but that has nothing to do with Qatar. Latifa genuinely wanted to leave. Um so the family then knew that Latifa uh, had escaped, and uh, then Sheikh Mohammed launched a massive, uh, large-scale military uh, attack from from my system, from my boat. You know, I'm a captain. Right. Uh, not, not only I'm, I'm a captain, but uh, I'm also a security expert. So, I saw on my system, I can tell you, there were at least 500 men for that operation. And it was a mixture Five, of Dubai and Indian security, or just Indian, or both? Uh, just Indian. The, the UAE, they joined after. They, they sent a warship after the attack. So, uh, in total, we're talking about 500 men, uh, five warships. I'm talking about warships here, not, not a patrol boat, huh? Warship, right. big ship, you know, yeah, with giant cannons, ship, missiles, sure. uh, helicopters, uh, they had spy planes, uh, uh, high-speed boats, commandos. So they had an overwhelming force. And I, uh, honestly, uh, uh, there's nothing I could do about it. You know, I was prepared to to fight uh, pirates, you know, because it's a pirate-infested area anyway. So, but. I was prepared to fight pirates or, or security contractors or, you know, people like that. But when you have the Coast Guard in front of you, the Indian Coast Guard, who do you call when you are in trouble? Who do you call? Right, of course. They're not, supposed to, they're not supposed to be pirates. They're supposed to protect people. And then Latifa, when they, they, uh, there was an, an Emirati officer who came on board to identify her, so he, he, he identified her, and then they took her away. She was kicking and screaming. She was asking for political asylum. And they took her away. Uh, I never saw her after. And um, I can understand, I guess, why they thought it was Qatar, because Qatar is a rival of both Saudi Arabia and Dubai, right? And so I guess yes. they, they, it would be easy for them to think that it was, they would like to believe, I guess, that it was a Qatari plot, and there was a bark, um, they were trying to blockade Qatar, uh, not too long ago, and isolate them. Um, and I believe Al Jazeera is located in Qatar, too. So it's kind of an annoyance to both Dubai and Saudi Arabia, which are pretty closely aligned. But why would the Indian Security Service cooperate so closely with Dubai? Was it just the influence of Sheikh Mohammed and the money that they have? Was that was that why they did it? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's what it is. When they took me in custody... Uh, not custody. I don't like to say that word because I did nothing wrong. So uh, they had no reason to arrest me. They, 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 they captured me, and when they, when they put me in that secret prison, uh, uh, they threatened me. They told me that uh, not to talk to the media uh, because they would 
kill me or they would kidnap me again. And they told me, you saw what the power of Sheikh Mohammed, you, you saw his power. He, he can have the Indian forces after you. And I told them, no, Sheikh Mohammed has the power to corrupt. That's the only power he has, because what he did with the Indian was illegal. If you ask the Indian Coast Guard now, if they, they won't even admit it, that they were there. They won't, that's interesting. They, they are hiding. Yeah, they, they, they are denying the fact, I have evidence now, of course, but they are denying the fact. So it is corruption all the way. Maybe there is, uh, because I, I read in the paper that uh, Latifa may have been swapped by Christian Michel, an, an armed dealer who was uh, detained in Dubai, and that they may have arranged, they may have agreed to attack uh, my boat and, and kidnap Latifa to swap, because the Indians wanted Christian Michel in, in, in Dubai. Sorry, who is Christian Michel again? Um... Mr. Jobe? So, uh, Christian Michel is a, I don't know what is uh, his nationality, but he's an armed dealer. He, he was uh, selling a helicopter Agosta. Okay. And he was de he was detained in Dubai and he was wanted in India. Uh, it is a coincidence or not, but after Latifa was captured, Dubai extradited Christian Michel to India. I see, I see. So, just so I understand, so the, the, the five Indian naval boats, these giant ships, they surround you, they're 500 men, they, they, they take the princess off, she's screaming and kicking, I assume they remove the friend too, they take you, the secret prison they bring you to, is that is that back in Dubai or is that in India? I assume it's in Dubai. No, they took me to a secret prison in Dubai. I don't know where in Dubai. Okay. Uh, I, I, I saw that it was a special prison uh, I was alone in solitary confinement. For how long? Uh, for about uh, uh, 10 days. I mean, I, it was difficult for me to track the time because I, I did not have any, they did not give me any reference. The light was on all day long, all night long. You must and, have been terrified, uh, yeah, but, terrified of, of, yeah. of being killed or something, right? I mean, because nobody knew you were there. There was no communication with the French embassy or the American embassy. And you were completely isolated, I, I imagine. Yeah, actually, that's what the, it, my, my uh, satellite system saved my life. Because when I when the, during the attack, I, of course, I only have circumstantial evidence. But I can tell you, the objective of this operation was a search and kill. They were about to kill us, all of us. Because they were, when they attacked the boat, when the, the commando was on the boat, they were preparing the boat to be sunk. Wow. So why didn't they do it then? Because you, you, you sent a signal the, out? The reason why they did not do it, and the, re, the reason why I'm alive today, is because, you know, when they, the commando board the ship, they, they put a gun to my neck, and very, very painful. And they took my phones and my laptops, and uh, they asked me for my password. So, But they saw in my phone that I had been in contact with other people outside because I, I saw them coming, you know, two days before I saw the warships, I saw the helicopters, I saw the planes. At the time, I thought that it was normal because it's a pirate-infested area. So I did not think that I was the target. But 
still I was I was concerned. So I reported that to my friends outside, my support team, uh, uh, and to my wife. Uh, so when the Indians took my phone, they saw that I had reported the Indian Coast Guard already. I see. I see. So they had to change their plans because they could not kill us anymore. Because if they killed us or if we disappeared, someone would have, would have reported it. Already my wife and, and, and Arada from Detain in Dubai, they had filed a, a missing person's report. How do they locate you, do you think, Mr. Jim? How do they find your boat? Was it because of the text that Princess Latifah sent? Or is that how they, if you had to guess, how would you think the Indian, Indian naval forces found you? I know exactly what happened, but I cannot comment on it because there's a, a, a legal uh, proceeding as we speak. Okay, so I understand. So, so, so you were captured. They, 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 somehow they found you. How close were you to Mumbai when you were caught? I mean, were you fairly close to, to reaching Mumbai? No, no, I, I passed Mumbai. Uh, Mumbai. I, I was, uh, I was uh, fifty miles from Goa. Is that where you were Goa going? Is, Goa. Yeah, that's where I was going to Goa. It is way, way in the south. Uh, uh, I think 250 miles from Mumbai. Yeah, it's a former uh, Portuguese colony. I was on my colony. way to, to Goa. It's a former Portuguese colony, I believe, right, Goa? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's a and I had, you know, I, I had all the paperwork. Everybody had a visa, even, even Latifa. She had a visa to India. So we are all clear to, to get in. Okay, so 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 basically, they take her off the boat. They take that blonde friend of hers off. You're put in that jail. You've have you ever had seen Princess Latifah again or had any contact with her since that? that no. Are, no. I there was a picture of her. I'm sure you saw it was in the New York Times of her and the and the former president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, looking kind of dazed and not even looking at the camera. Do you think she's just very drugged up now and unhappy and kind of in a in a habitual jail now? I mean. Is that, is that? Do you think if you had to guess her state of mind now? No, I, I know exactly what happened. Uh, Latifa herself predicted it, and she described what what what's happening to her happened to her other sisters as well. Is that when uh, when they have a, uh, a family member or relative that is uh, rebellious or wants to be free, uh, they put them under psychiatric uh, drugs. You know, it's it's it's. I, I am a former counter spy, so I, I worked in the foreign, former communist countries. So I am used to the the Soviet era where they they put their dissidents under psychiatric hospital. You remember that, no? Yes, of course, sure. Uh, okay, but they are doing the same in in Dubai. Okay. And, and, and it's not the first time. So and and also when I saw the press conference from. Uh, Miss Robinson and uh, Princess Saya, on their own admission, they said that Latifa was under psychiatric care, which means she's under involuntary psychiatric drugs. So there's nothing that can be done, I guess, for her, short of invading Dubai. I mean, because he controls that country with an iron fist. The U.S. is not going to invade Dubai. No one has jurisdiction over him. No court can intervene. There's no way to really help her, I guess, is there? it now, but I, I have a plan to to continue uh, help her release. Okay. I know if you Google Princess Latifah, 
you can there's a there's a website devoted to her and there's I think an interview from you on that website as well. So they're trying to do uh, public attention and there has been some news. It, we, I'm sorry, which, which website? I don't remember. If you Google Princess Latifah, there is a website that comes up about freeing her. Maybe it's called freeprincesslatifah.com, something like that. I remember seeing it. Yeah, uh, Free Latifah is not uh, it, it's not a reliable website. I, I have a website that is called princesslatifah.com. Okay, princesslatifah.com. Princesslatifah, L-A-T-I-F-A.com? Yeah, princesslatifah.com. Okay, princesslatifah.com. Uh, yeah, because uh, there, there, there are you know, people around the organization, they, they, they pretend to uh, help Latifah, but they, they're just collecting money for, from, from the donor, but they don't do anything. Okay, okay, fine. So I'm glad you gave your website. Just just had a question. I mean, since you met Prince, um, Sheikh Mohammed, the leader of Dubai, and since you, you knew Princess Latifah uh, for, for a while and you met her in person, how is it, do you think, that someone could get to the point where they would want to take out their own daughter and, 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 and destroy your boat with her in it? I mean, is it just the, the, the fear of embarrassment, and does that supersede everything? Well, there are, there are two reasons. The first one is that Latifa could uh, jeopardize the future of her father. The information that she has on her father could be extremely damageful. You mean embarrassing to him? No, uh, no, no. We're not talking about embarrassment here. We're talking about crimes. Latifa is not the first one. There are other people who disappeared before, and Latifa, she knows, she knows about it. Could you give me a hint as to what these crimes are? I mean, are they killings, drug crimes, murder? I mean... Uh, kidnapping and disappearance. Okay, so she was aware of things that could, you saying basically... Just she was aware of uh, one, the, the one that, that first uh, come to to my mind is uh, she, uh, Princess Shamsa. She was kidnapped in the UK from the street, you know, like, uh, like in a gangster movie. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. I saw the article on that. And there is a there is a pending investigation from the Cambridge police. Right. So those are real facts. And then before her, there was Princess Bushra, who just disappeared. And then uh, Latifa told me that uh, she committed suicide in prison, or she was forced to commit suicide. Oh my gosh! So it led to. So Latifa is not the first one. So Latifa has many uh, uh, dreadful secrets about her father, so her father would do anything to bring her back, because he doesn't, he wants to silence her. What was the second reason, uh, Mr. Jobe? That was the first reason. The second reason is that, and I, I find it, you know, because uh, uh, I had a question once, uh, the ruler, uh, Sheikh Mohammed, said that uh, uh, I stated that Islam was incompatible with the West. So my response to that is, who is incompatible with the West? Because when you have a 32-year-old woman, an adult woman, who cannot be free because of Islamic law, because that's the second reason why they wanted her back. Because an adult woman, an, an adult woman under Islam is under the guardianship of either her father, her husband, or her brother. 
a Muslim woman is never, never emancipated. Okay. All her life, she's under the guardianship of a male, of her family. So that's why I say that it is incompatible with our democracies. Because is, it, is not, it is not compatible. Is the elite of, of Dubai sort of like the elite of Saudi Arabia, where they use the religious law to keep the people in line, but they themselves are exempt from it? They party, they drink, they use prostitutes, they go to the south of France. And I mean, is that the way it is in Dubai, too? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But they, and, they, and they make it worse for their own members. You know, you would think that Latifa, she was a princess, so she had a privileged uh, life, but right. it's, it's the opposite. She was, she was more uh, monitored and surveilled than anybody else because you know, of her status as a princess. Do you know how many brothers and sisters or half-brothers and sisters Princess Latifa had? I mean, do you know how many children Sheikh Mohammed had? 31. 31. Wow. Well, I've got to say, Mr. Bay, um, this has been a very interesting interview. I, I, um, I thank you so much for your time. Um, could you give the, the website again for Princess Latifah? Um, uh, princesslatifah.com. Okay. And your website is escapefromdubai.com. Escapefromdubai.com. Okay. So we're here. We've been speaking with Mr. Herve Jaber, J-A-U-B-E-R-T, on Intelligent Talk, intelligenttalk.com. Mr. Jaber, thank you so much for your time. It's been very interesting. No, no, and thank you for inviting me. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.